everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. This is Season 7, Episode 52. I'm your co-host, Key. And I'm your co-host, Coach P. (laughs) Today in the studio, we have a very special guest for you guys. She's an entrepreneur that is shaking up the indoor cycling industry and doing so unapologetically, by the way. We are so pleased to be sitting down with the woman behind Harlem's only boutique indoor cycling studio, Harlem Cycle. And as we'll learn today, not all cycling studios are the same, and Harlem Cycle brings its own unique spin to the sport. No pun intended. (laughs) As a relatively new option in a booming industry, Harlem Cycle is here to stay. And we'd like to welcome to the studio the one and only Tamika Rochester. Welcome, Tamika. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. That was an awesome introduction. (laughs) Thank you. We do what we can. We can get it down. (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Oh, man. I'm really excited. Like, I've done spin spin class twice. It was an amazing experience. I'm really excited about this interview. Wait till you have the Harlem Cycle experience. I can't wait. Yeah, we're definitely going to be in the building. So let's just jump right into it. What inspired you to create Harlem Cycle? Uh, so actually, I started spinning when I was out one day. Um, I wanted to find like a worker that I really enjoyed. So you know, after having my son, I needed to lose some weight. Okay. Um, and a, a coworker of mine had recommended going. You know, finding something that you like to do in your childhood. Those make the best workouts. And I was like, oh, I love riding my bike. So I rented a bike. It was me and Mikey. He was only like four months old, okay. and got the, the little seat on the back. And we decided to take it to Harlem um, to Central Park. It was like the scariest experience of my life. Mm. I it, it was just everyone in the park was just like aggressively like they were going for the Tour de France. Mm. And <laughs> it was just so scary. And I felt like now and, you know, I didn't know the concept of now you have like this little 30 pound weight on the back of your bike and yeah. how to handle that. Um, so I was like, OK, so obviously riding a bike is not an option. Right. I came back to work and, you know, told my coworker what happened. She was like, oh, I'm going to go indoor riding. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> and I was like, well, you said find a bike because that's what I love to do. Yeah. So we actually took our lunch break next week or so. We went to a spin studio and I was like, oh, this is what you mean. So mm. that's how I discovered indoor cycling. And I just really loved it. I love the energy of it. I love the music. Yeah. I love like how much you could really work, you know, in just such a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, so it's intense. It's really intense. Mm-hmm. It's really good though. And then next thing you know, I was like, I, we got we, we got to have one of these in Harlem. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. And speaking of how long did it take to open Harlem Cycle after you decided it was something you were going to do? So it was a really, really quick process. So mm-hmm. I was out for a jog one November, and I was like, oh, this would be a great spin studio. I was running by. At like an abandoned building that was up for rent. And I was like, oh, this would be a nice spin studio here. And I was like, wait a minute. Let me look into this. <laughs> that was November. I signed my lease February 1st. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. a quick turnaround. Because, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of negotiations. There's meeting with brokers. There's all this yeah. kind of stuff that happens before you get to the actual signing day. Yeah. So a lot happened in between that. And then April 1st was our first class. Wow. wow. So what, six months later? November to April. That's that's amazing. It's, yeah. It was crazy. Have you ever opened a business like this before or this just kind of, this was your first no, time going into it? No, this was my first time doing anything. It's particularly in New York. Yeah. So New York has yeah. its own specialness. <laughs> <laughs> Very unique. <laughs> yes, this is my uh-huh. first brick and mortar business. I always worked in corporate America. Um, okay. So this was my first time kind of doing that venture out. Oh, nice. sweet. Nice. That's dope. So what separates Harlem Cycle from other indoor spin classes? So there's a lot. One, I always <laughs> tell people, our music. You can't replicate that anywhere Facts. else. Yeah. yeah. It is, is it twerking music? Because I like to get a little twerking. There's twerkin'. some twerking music, Okay. <laughs> but there's some other. Okay, so, cool. You know, I always tell people the best cycling class is not the one that plays the latest and greatest because you can hear the latest and greatest on the radio you can Facts. hear that any day yeah it's that it's when radio. you hear that song from like your sixth grade dance mm. that you're like oh you i remember this okay. yeah i see what you're doing so when you go when you pull back on something nostalgic and be able to really touch people from a soul standpoint mm. um and so our music makes sure we do that so i always tell people if it wasn't played at the apollo you probably won't hear it at harlem cycle mm. okay so we definitely make sure we we touch on the community yeah and stay true to really what harlem represents right. as far as culturally yeah we even have a reggae class so Ooh. shout out to all my jamaicans <laughs> yes. we in there <laughs> yes so definitely music is one of them okay. the second is just the overall culture of harlem cycle 
So we're very relaxed and laid back. So when you come into the studio, the one thing you'll notice is we have a fireplace to the left. You don't actually Ooh, feel like you're I in like a, a workout mm. studio yeah. un- until you walk in to see bikes. Yeah. Um, so it's really to make the moment you walk in for you to feel that sense of relief, like I'm at home, Ooh. not necessarily I'm about to kill myself on a bike but (laughs) that you know it's a very relaxed culture yeah we don't we're nothing competitive about us you know we there is no way you're going to be competing against the person besides you on the bike it is your ride okay um so we try to create that culture from the moment you walk in from our decor to the way we conduct our classes yeah and second the one thing you'll always note about us is we really built a community within the studio okay so a lot of our clients will always comment on how they really feel like this is their community studio because we made a community within that class okay um we really do a lot when it comes towards harlem itself when Mm -hmm. it comes towards giving back to the community Mm. but making sure that as you're at harlem cycle you can feel the harlem community as you're there mm-hmm. we're, we're strictly a no judgment studio so one i don't allow you to take sel- selfies in the middle of class oh, okay. <laughs> i love that. that you know so you can't so show you're not, no, i get no, it i get it there are no mirrors on our walls <laughs> Ooh, one, I like that. so that you're not staring at yourself and judging yourself because yeah. that's where the biggest judgment comes from that's it's not so necessarily true. you judging the person beside you it's really looking at yourself in the mirror and be like oh my god my arms my yeah i want you to focus on having an amazing experience yes and and just let yourself go yeah. So we have no mirrors. Um, we don't let telephones in there. And it's all about our music, our culture, and then community. Oh, sweet. That's I really awesome. I like that. And when you speak about like community and culture, what does Harlem mean to you? Well, Harlem is, to me, you just exist on your own terms. Okay. So Harlem is, I, I say, what the rest of the world will be like, oh, they're the misfits. Yes, we are. It is where corporate meets downtown meets the arts meets music meets education it's everyone moshed together and all of them are doing their thing yeah so to me harlem is just where you just exist on your own terms okay yeah and when we were talking before we started recording you mentioned that you had your community day today yeah can you go into a little bit about that and let us know what that was about so quarterly we do community events um and those community events they're all donation based where everything goes towards a harlem-based charity so this one went towards take care of harlem um and with those you get a 30-minute session on the bike you get a 30-minute off the bike session with we partner with another studio jtw fit and they do circuit boot camps and different kinds of training oh, classes, okay. so you can p- get whichever one you want. Right after you do the thirty, yeah. Oh, so y'all don't want people to breathe. Well, you don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you. But you can sign up for any session. Okay. So we go back and forth. So you can sign up for either cycling or that, or cycling Sweet. or that. Um, and then it's all all goes towards charities. Donation based minimums eight dollars. But what we want to do with these community events and what we've done in the past is really make them a holistic approach to wellness. Okay. So for instance, after class, there was a masseuse in the um, lobby, so you could get your free massage we've had you know meal prep services there okay. we've had people who provide juice and juice cleanses in the lobby we've had people who provide meditation and we've included meditation as part of it so it's really kind of painting the holistic picture from what goes I in your body it. to the workout yeah. to just everything else on other stress relieving techniques so making sure that you know everyone is kind of tapping into the whole holistic wellness approach okay um, and making it affordable so the community can actually come in and try it yeah. having those 30 minute sessions have been really great because there's a lot of people in the community who are like ooh a whole 45 minute class Ugh. yeah but 30 minutes doesn't seem that intimidating so they no, at least come in and try it mm-hmm. yeah so you come in and try you spend what eight dollars and your eight dollars goes to charity there's nothing you lose from this yeah okay. plus you'll get a free massage anyway so yeah you're good I, i'm getting goosebumps right now because like i think <laughs> that's really yes yeah, seriously it, it, it touches the <laughs> <Yeah. your> soul <laughs> i really feel like that's really dope and amazing how you going at it for, at the holistic uh standpoint what you said meditation massages and then just being able to bring people into the community who may not necessarily be exposed to something like this and it's also going back to a great cause like you can't top that that's really awesome stuff thank you thank you no we really really love doing them it's just amazing to see the people that come in who have been like well i've been scared to be try cycling but okay 30 minutes i'm gonna try 30 minutes yeah and then they're hooked no, that's pretty cool. And I think it's also working with the other organization and collaborating. I think that's really yeah. beneficial and important for the community in Harlem. No, I definitely believe in cooperative economics. So, you know, I partner Ooh, with a I lot like of that. different studios. Because um, at the end of the day, it's we're sharing clients no matter whether yeah. we want to admit it or not. Right. Like, okay. Someone who likes cycling also likes boot camp, who also likes yoga, who also likes this. Yeah. These people this like to do different things. So, you know, I believe that we should, as studios and as businesses, the best way for all of us to succeed is to really work together. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's great. I do like that's, that. 
And what other um, basically impact or effects you plan on having a community with Harlem Cycle? So, you know, I, you know, our goal is to just continue growing, continue to making a change and an impact as many people as we can. Okay. Um, so, you know, one bike at a time. I like that. <laughs> so, so, do you have any plans to expand Harlem Cycle to other locations and maybe even possibly outside of New York? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yes. yes Absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. So we want to own Harlem first, then mm-hmm. we'll expand from there. Um, but, you know, the goal is just like the Harlem Renaissance, we will follow that all Ooh. the way all the way around the world. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I like the goosebumps again. Yes. Yeah, you're feeling it. Yeah, okay, the spirit. All right. <laughs> no, because I think the Harlem Renaissance is so important. Just... Um, mm-hmm. We were talking about on our last episode just black people being able to create culture and when we come together like that just naturally happens and so when you said the Harlem Renaissance it just like kind of got to me I'm like oh and, good yeah do you plan on like keeping the name the same absolutely okay so they Harlem know. is a state of mind it is not a location ooh mm-hmm. I like it I like it I like it I mean even though I'm from the Bronx I'm gonna go with it I'm gonna go with it. You, and know? you plan on moving to Harlem, so yes, I do actually, because I do like. I mean, it gives you the best of both worlds, and I like that there's a lot of black-owned businesses out there. So, and I feel like when I'm in Harlem, I don't need to leave necessarily. No, you don't. So everything's there. Everything's everything there. Everything you need is there. Yeah, and it's a quick commute into the city, so that's why um, I do want to move there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Future I'm, putting it out there, affirmations. I'm curious, like, what does the Harlem Renaissance mean to you? Because I know it was really important to you to capture that spirit with Harlem Cycle. Yeah. So with the Harlem Renaissance, you know. I grew up reading James Baldwin, Maya Angelou. Like, to me, it was all about creating just this culture of just being who you are. Mm. Oh, so you, you know? was woke since birth. Since oh, birth. Ooh, yes. <laughs> came out the womb like, yes, we in here. I like that. She was never in the sunken yeah. place. You came out fist first. No shade, no tea. <laughs> what the frog? <laughs> And, and I'm not sure if you know this, but that's like actually one of the models of our podcast. It's be who you are. So you just, oh, drop, the, you just drop the plug. Yeah, yeah. Plugging it all and bringing it together. It's a community, y'all. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's to me the Renaissance is really just being who you are. Okay. Like, with, with no unapologetically. How about yes, that? Mm. Yes, definitely. Just, just being who you are with, with no concerns for what what anyone else thinks and so that's that's to me is like what harlem cycle represents also it's it's being able to marry that culture of the harlem renaissance and allowing people to be who they are okay no matter their size no matter their fitness journey no matter if they never ever rode a bike before like Mm -hmm. just letting you come in and finding a place to just let it all be okay cool and speaking to that more so about what's going on in Harlem and the Renaissance. What is your take on the gentrification happening in Harlem? And I'm sure you kind of been exposed to that having your studio. Mm-hmm. What is that like in terms of demographic changing? Yeah, well, you know, gentrification is is a double edged sword. It's good, it's bad. You know, you get you get new businesses which are great, um, but then you see small mom and pop shops going away. You get yes. new residents coming in, but then you see the people who've been here for a long time going away. Mm-hmm. You see, you know, uh, brown man in the corner who's really just taking up space and getting in, on your nerves get pushed out. Yeah. But now you realize you can't do half the things you were doing at the park either. Facts. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's yeah. like, it's a, it, it has its good and bad, you know. Um, so it, it's kind of a mixed feeling for, for, for a business owner because with it... it but, there was a lot of downtown clients that came to Harlem that already knew indoor cycling. Okay. So they were already adjusted to it. There was no education needed. There okay. was no, they were used to going to boutiques. Okay. Um, so since I was the first indoor cycling studio, it was great to have people who already knew that. Okay. Versus each time someone coming in and like, so, <laughs> do I bring my bike? What was happening? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. So we, we got a couple of those when we first opened up. <laughs> we're, we're like, no, we're not a bike shop. And and I've had people come in and be like, so you just ride a bike? I'm like, no, it's indoor cycling. It's a, it's a workout. So having people who are already educating that from downtown kind of helped with, yeah. you know, um, you know, as a business coming in, you, you already had some that knew, some that didn't. Mm-hmm. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. You know, you I appreciate 
having nicer grocery stores and nicer things in the neighborhood. I don't appreciate losing the mom and pop shops that used to have my shea butter and all the great things that I used to love. And the bodega with the cat. Yeah, the so, you know, <laughs> I don't appreciate closing down those things that have made the culture of where yes of Harlem. Yes. So, with you know, TJ Maxx doesn't create a culture. But a certain, another shop that has authentic things from whatever country or, you know, from the diaspora is what makes the culture. This is very true. So, but it's nice sometimes to have, to not go downtown to get stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the best of both worlds. Yeah. (laughs) I see you're going with that. Yeah. Got it. So uh, you, you stated Harlem Cycle is a safe haven for people of color who used to be the only one at other gyms. Can you go into more detail about what that meant, to, what you meant by that, and how much of that motivates you in creating Harlem Cycle as a safe space for people? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, I, I started my career as an engineer. Okay. So I was a black female mechanical engineer. Wow. Okay. I have always been the only one yeah. when I worked. Mm. You know, it's not, not even just the only um, person of color, but the only woman yeah um so i was always in a field where i was the only one and on weekends i'd be like okay listen i need some females i need <laughs> i need to get rid of all this masculine energy yeah i want to go work out i want to be around women who you know we don't talk about the same thing guys talk about like when we go to the locker room we this talk about true. our hair and our products this is true. and i needed that energy at the time when i was working it was just me you know i didn't even have my son so it was like on weekends i need something to do to for my stress relief and my yeah. mental health and I go to these different studios or I'd, you know, go work out somewhere. And I'd be like, oh, well, there's other women here, but we don't really have that much in common. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. The instructor would look like she weighed 100 pounds, soaking wet. Um, and I didn't. And I never have. Yeah. And I, I never will. And I, I don't look good at 100 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would be the only person in there where they'd be like, oh, you know, so it was it, it was a very different feeling for me, and I thought, wow, this is you know, this isn't my safe space. I needed a space where I could relate to the instructor. Yeah. That makes me strive a little bit harder. Okay. Um, where I not even just from a color standpoint, but from a size standpoint, who yeah. actually had a fitness journey. If you've been 100 pounds since you were born, well, since you, you know, that's it's your biggest weight, you and I don't have the same things in common. That's true. I need someone who's had to struggle with their weight or who's had to, you know, who eats pizza at night because yeah. I eat pizza at night. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I needed someone who I could relate to. Um, so that was always a concern for me is finding places like that where you could be who you are mm-hmm. and relate to the people in the room around you. Yeah. So I think particularly for women of color, those spaces just don't exist. Yeah. Or they're very limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, yes, in Harlem we have major gyms, and yes, you'll find lots of women of color there, but we're also making a trade-off to be in those spaces, and that trade-off is really customer service yeah. and the facilities. So yeah. I don't necessarily think it's it's okay that we have to make the trade-off just to feel be in a safe space. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was very important to have Harlem Cycle to never skimp on customer service, never skimp on the facility and our offerings and what we were providing, but then also making sure that every person, a person of color, every person that lived in Harlem, every person from globally from around the world, when you walk into my door, you naturally feel comfortable. You can find somebody you can relate to in that space. Yeah. I'm glad you spoke to about the bigger gyms that may exist in Harlem as well. Like when I did, as a woman coming in, and I was told to do the Lucille Roberts because all women gym. And I was like, well, I don't necessarily just want to be around women all the time. I do like to get some kind of motivation and ideas from men, too, that are in the gym. But what I dislike going to the co-ed gym, which is a trade-off, is I was felt like a piece of meat. Yeah. Is that something that happens at your gym where no. women? Fa- I felt like I was stared at. I was looked at. Was trying. I'm like, listen, I'm just here to sweat. <laughs> not in that way. I'll let you know, but not in that way. Like, no, no. But I think because we've created such a community culture, yeah, that that would be just uh, like the whole the whole class would look at you like, are you crazy acting like that in here? Oh, they checking them. Yeah, like you know. That. So our classes are filled with. You know, what I really, really love about our classes is the variety that you see within the room. Okay. So, I like, I took a picture one day and posted it on Instagram. And I was like, yes, no one believes me, but this is Harlem Cycle. Mm-hmm. I had a 60-year-old um, white woman. Okay. I had a 42-year-old African-American woman. Mm-hmm. I had a 26-year-old Latin American woman. A 27, and they were friends. And a 26-year-old um, Asian woman, they both went to Columbia. Okay. I had African-American male, uh, Hispanic male, 
um i would guess they were in their 40s because they were kind of young looking yeah um and i was just like do you see the diversity in this room like you don't get that other places and then not only was just the diversity when it came from culture and um age demographics but also from just like fitness journeys okay so you can tell who hitting the weights really hard and who's this. They all rode well, by the way. Yeah. So you can't judge a book by their cover this because everyone true. had their own body structure, yeah. body types, you know, height difference, this and that. You saw the difference in socioeconomics. You mm-hmm. had this person who was a C. I had a CEO. One of them was a CEO. You had two students. Like just seeing that demographics in mm-hmm. one class, that's really what makes Harlem Cycle. And everybody had a good time. Okay. All right. Cool. And in terms of you starting up Harlem Cycle and running a business, what advice can you give to upcoming entrepreneurs that have interest in doing the same thing and following your footsteps? Yeah, who want to go from dream to inception in six months just dream, so <laughs> to crush it? It's, listen, it's hard. It is hard. Yeah. I, I mean, was, you're making it look easy. Yeah. I can't Coming imagine. Coming in here just chilling like this. I are we can't. ready? <laughs> but you make it look so easy, though. Listen, it's hard. It's very hard. I would say my biggest thing... Mm-hmm. Um, to tell someone is really write your vision down, make it clear, yes. and hold to it. Yes. yes, you will make some adjustments as you start seeing how your market changes and how things change. But if you don't have a vision and a mission, people will define it for you. And yes. they will change your business. And that is the worst thing someone can do. Mm-hmm. Like, when I first opened Home Cycle, every person that walked in the door was like, oh, you should do this. Oh, you should do that. Oh, you I'm like, I don't want... First of all, I, my goal was never to be another certain kind of gym yeah um and i'm i'm you know i i would go home and be like nope this is why i said i wasn't gonna do that because i said i wanted to do this so okay. just knowing what that vision was mm-hmm. and kind of holding to it yes you pivot a little bit but you should never change um and i've also found with a lot of entrepreneurs is like we we jump in we like oh, this is my idea i'm just gonna go yes take a second write it down <laughs> think it through <laughs> How long should you think it through, though? Because the thing is with me and Pierre and I working together being on you, he's more of a planner person and sitting back and really, and I'm more of an executor. I like, I'm aggressive. I go for it. I do believe you should should plan, but there needs to be a limit because if you plan too much, fear seeps in, doubt, and Mm -hmm. then it's like you just plan yourself out of your whole plan. So at what point do you have like a certain limit you said to plan and then execute? Yeah. So to me, it's if you start and you don't even know what you want the end goal to be, Mm -hmm. you should take some more time okay right <laughs> so it's like you but you have to move <laughs> yeah i find myself doing that a lot of time i come up with this great idea and then like i'll go go to lunch come back and like, <laughs> go lunch come back <laughs> I, don't, I don't know but i know if i like write it down yes i'll come back to it okay so a lot of times it is just like take a second just a second okay and do just a gut check. If your gut still tells you go, go. Okay. You do not need to have an executive mission, and you don't need twenty-two people to vote. Uh, <laughs> you don't need you don't need an in-depth analysis, pulling all this data. It's like do just a quick gut check. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes that gut check is called Google. Yes. Google it, see if there's a market for it, and move. Yeah. Um, and then you can fix it along the way. But it, no, I definitely don't think you need to spend a lot of your time just in plan phase. I think execution is, is where it is. Um, but you need to make sure in that plan phase mm-hmm. that it is what you really want to do. Yeah. As you went on this journey, what doubts did you have that you were able to dismantle along the way? Oh, on the journey because there's doubts every day oh, go ahead go ahead you still on the journey right so, yes. the journey never ends so that is one thing as an entrepreneur the journey never ends there are days where i'm literally i feel like i'm on the cliff I'm like oh my god um so you know when i first started i wasn't teaching any of the classes oh, okay so i was working full-time still taking my son to school we we come we'd open up the studio instructor come and teach then we close it down we take him to school i go to work my full time then i come back open on rotation yeah so my days would start 6 a.m and it wouldn't end till 8 30 every single night it was wow. exhausting um and then you know the reason i wasn't teaching i was a certified instructor i wasn't teaching because i didn't trust myself enough i was like these instructors are really great i took their classes i hired them because they were really good yeah but i was like i'm so scared that if someone takes my class and they don't like me then they'll kill my whole brand. How can they not like you? Your personality yeah, and everything. I didn't, you know, it's really like being 
trusting yourself and your gut. Yeah. Because I wasn't, so before I opened Harlem Cycle, I didn't have a fitness background at okay. all. Okay. I just went to classes like any any other person. Yeah. After I signed my lease, I went and got certified. <laughs> it's like about that time. It's about that time. He's like, oh, oops. <laughs> so I signed my lease February 1st. I got certified on February 16th. <laughs> yes. I was like, all right, I'm a certified instructor. And then as I went out and hired instructors, I was like, oh, man, they're good. I don't know if I can be that good. So I really, you know, so I, like, studied under them, had them train me, and just was like, so I didn't teach my first class till that October. Um and it was like, okay, the, the the struggle was really trusting in yourself mm-hmm. and trusting your decisions. Okay. So it was really kind of making sure that you make a decision, do it, and yeah. then also believing in what you bring to the table. Oh, yeah. So I didn't believe what I brought to the table would be enough for my brand. Okay. And it turned out I was pretty good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's really dope. Can you tell us what your personal fitness journey has been like? And, like, have you always just been into it, consistent with it, or it grew with Harlem Cycle? So I used to be, you know, very athletic growing up. You know, I, I ran track. I did tennis in high school. Um, oh, Serena Williams over there. You know, I see you. I see you. And it's so funny because I have an older sister. We're one year apart. And yeah. we used to take tennis. I was like, that could have been us. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were never that good. But in my mind, that could have been us. Mind, yeah. Yes. But that's why representation. <laughs> Matters. Yes. <laughs> See, we didn't know then. We didn't know that could have been us. But yeah, so um, so I always did that in high school. I got to college, and I still had a good metabolism. Mm-hmm. So I was still good in college. Yeah. And then right around like twenty eight, things started slowing down. Yeah. <laughs> that metabolism started slowing down. And I started. Mm-hmm. I started getting more active because it was my go to stress relief was to work out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then I had my son. I had my son when I was thirty, and you know, thirty is the cliff. Yeah. Things change. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. six months for me. I'm glad you're saying that. <laughs> it is true. I had a hangover and I was like, this is a hard recovery. I used to pop back in college like no. it was nothing. 30 is the clip. So after I had my son, I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm not losing this weight. And I was like, because you've done nothing. You've literally done nothing. You've, you're not working out. You go yeah. for walks. You're not doing anything like you used to do. But I couldn't understand why I wasn't losing weight. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered indoor cycling. And then I became like an avid. Like, I, I did not miss my class. Okay. I'm you like, dedicated. Ske- reschedule everything. <laughs> I'm going to my cycling Priorities. Class. <laughs> so I became really, really active in indoor cycling mm-hmm. uh, for the over the past, like, seven years. Hey, cool. Nice. I really like that. So... We actually have a book club. What are your top three favorite books and why? Okay. Let's see. Let's see. So I went to Spellman. Okay. Oh. Shout out to Spellman. So that that tells you Alice Walker, Color Purple. <laughs> yes. I read that freshman year. I literally cried through the whole book. It oh, was wow. the most amazing yeah. book to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, I can still watch the movie every single time it comes on, but the book yeah. and the details that are missing are just, oh, my God. It was just like the most beautifully written book I'd ever read. Um, my first book that really made me love reading well, I read this when I was like 15, but it was called With My Face to the Rising Sun. Okay. It's by author Robert Martin Screen. Okay. It's like for an adolescent, but I still reread it from time to time because mm. it was just one of those touching. It was a story about this young guy. Um, he was mixed race and he never knew his father because his father was white. And then his mom used to say that his father died in the army, but he didn't. It was just okay. because he was mixed race and he didn't want to claim him as a son. So it was just like so heartbreaking for me at 16 yeah. reading that. Like people actually do stuff like that. So really kind of that was my opening to the world. Like okay. people, people You didn't do contextualize that? anything pertaining no. to those issues. Okay. No, I grew yeah. up in Atlanta, so I didn't have, you know, Shout in Atlanta. It's <laughs> <Yes>. all <laughs> so black people. So right. it's like, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so it was just the idea that someone wouldn't claim their son because of their race was yeah. just like crazy yeah. to me. Um, so that was like my first eye-opening experience when it came to race. And I would say my third one is Becoming by okay. Michelle. Yes, that's going to be the next one on our I'm list. I'm literally well. chapter one. Yeah. But because I feel like me and Michelle, that's why I'm calling her Michelle, yeah. because we're besties uh-huh. and she just doesn't know it yet. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's going to be my number three no matter what. <laughs> 
I respect it. I definitely respect it. Speaking of your upbringing, you were um said you were raised in Atlanta, but were you born there? Or? No, no, no. I was okay. born in St. Elizabeth, Jamaica. Okay, shout out to the Jamaicans. Yes, yes, yes. yes. St. Elizabeth, Jamaica. So we came over when I was four, mm-hmm. um, but grew up in Atlanta. Went back. And I tell people I was raised in. I was kind of raised in Atlanta because we were that family that. We went home for Christmas, we went home for Easter, we went home for spring break, we went home for the whole three months of summer. Okay. So it ended up being like five months in Jamaica the rest of the time here. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, Until we were about 16, 17. Um, So I spent, even to the point that I went to like um, some schools in Jamaica at the time. Yeah. Because my mom didn't trust American schools. Yeah, I don't blame her. (laughs) (laughs) As you can see why. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, uh, so I'm kind of back and forth. And definitely in Atlanta, we were known as... As the Jamaican family. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Speaking about that, what was your upbringing like being in a Jamaican household, and how has that affected you and who you are today? Um, so I think it's you know knowing that you're you're technically an outsider, kind of drives you a bit more, um, because I you know no matter what I was the Jamaican kid. So I don't have an accent now because when I was younger, I did all I could to get rid of my accent. Yeah. I used to always get teased for having such an accent. Yeah. So I did all I could and to make sure that it, they, it was the mocking, it was the taunting, yeah. it was crazy. Um, so I did all I could to get rid of that accent because I was always the Jamaican kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but I think part of that is what drove me in life was, I don't know, whether proving to them or proving to my family. that Because we were the first for my family to come over. Okay. So, so it's a lot of pressure. It's you a lot of pressure. Perfect. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, when people think, well, you're leaving the family in Jamaica to come to America, you must be about to do something great. Uh, yep. Yeah. Mm. You're living in a mansion. <laughs> yes. Right. That, that too. <laughs> they all think something great's about to happen to you. Yeah. You have to make something great happen in your life. Yeah. Um, so it always drove. And I also knew that I didn't have a fallback plan like like the most of the kids in college did. Yeah. It was like, if, if I didn't, I was there on a academic scholarship so was my sister okay um and there was no uh, plan b yeah plan b was go back home and my mama won't gonna let me come back home yeah. so <laughs> you know and, and it, that was just that you work hard because you had something you had a family that looked up to you yeah to be that first generation yeah. so my sister was the first generation to graduate college because she's a year older than me so she gets that title <laughs> and i was next and four yeah. years later my mom graduated college oh wow, wow. That's, that's super awesome. dope yeah so it was, it's you know it's just been the driving factor is to really be the first yeah I'm glad you spoke to that because I can relate to it too. Um, first generation, I'm born here, but it's the pressure of you having to be great and uphold it, and it's like you don't have a moment to slip. No, never. And it's like it's great in some aspects because it pushes you, but at sometimes it just seems so overwhelming. It's like sometimes I just want to give up, and I'm like, I just want to be regular. Yes. And I can't be regular because my parents are relying on me to make it so they could be good. Right. And it's like it's a lot. Oh, you will be surprised. Like my family in Jamaica still tells people, "Oh, Tammy, she's the engineer." I'm like, no, I. You you know, I own a fitness studio. Oh. That doesn't have the same ring to it. No, they're like, you work out? Well, everybody can work out. <laughs> like, okay, fine, I'm an engineer. What, whatever. Yeah. I was like, whatever makes you happy saying that, but my life is great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no longer being an engineer. I'm glad that you spoke to that. You transitioned in terms of you doing a career, and I know for them it's like they prefer you being an engineer. What was that conversation like? Was it easy for you at first, or you were just like, listen, I'm being who I am. I don't care what you think. Oh, there was actually no conversation. Oh, okay. It I was like, like so I opened up this fitness studio. What's Gucci? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> What are like some valuable lessons or sayings you heard growing up that still resonate with you today? Oh, you know how when your parents say stuff to you, it's you're like, that didn't make sense. And then you find yourself saying it and you're like, wait, yes. now it don't make sense. Yes. Especially now that you have a child. I'm sure it all connects <laughs> the all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so the other day, Mikey did something and I was like, you know what? A hard head makes a soft behind. Uh-huh. I was like, mm-hmm. he was like, what? And I was like. Damn, my mama. (laughs) (laughs) It just just came to the surface. It just came out. Yes. Yes, we've all learned that hard-headedness is not the best way to go. But, yes, that is the the saying that somehow has followed me through life. Okay. Nice. So, as we're approaching 2019, what are some of your goals for next year, and how do you plan on executing on those? Well, as far as Harlem Cycle and just kind of what we do or personal? In general, yeah, both. Yeah, in general, both. Both? Okay, so I'll start with Harlem Cycle. <laughs> <laughs> she got to think through the other part. I hear you, sis. I heard you. Shout out to Spelman, by the way. Yeah. I see what you're doing. <laughs> 
So with Harlem Psycho, we are kicking off our first ever um, instructor training program. So Ooh. getting more people, more people of color, more people within Harlem, more people who wouldn't be the stereotypical instructor, the, you know, the fitness models. Uh, we're getting actual people who just love fitness. Nice. Okay. Um, we're training them to be indoor cyclists and, and, and instructors and giving them kind of the keys to success. Okay. One of the things we've seen in the fitness industry is this huge gap. You have to audition for a company before they'll train you. But if you've never sat in the front bike, that audition is going to go terrible. Oh, You're just not going to do well. That. That's interesting yeah. information. <laughs> That's like, really? I was like, serious. Oh, get up there and take me through a class and you're like I've never sat in this front bike before yeah. it's wow. not that's not you know it's really it's really terrible so yeah. a lot so that's why you'll see a lot of actors and you'll see a lot of people who are in the arts who become fitness um, instructors because they're used to being in the front they don't yeah. care it's, you know, it's natural to them to, to be put on the spotlight like that Yeah. so we're trying to bridge that gap we're kicking off our first ever instructor training program mm-hmm. then we're also doing our first ever fitness retreat okay Ooh. so yes we are partnering with of course like I said, I love to partner with other yeah. studios. We're partnering with um, Women's World of Boxing, Ooh. JTW Fit, as well as Fitness Sanctuary. These are all um, two are Harlem based and one is in Midtown, but these are all owned by persons of color. We're going straight to Governor's Island. We're going to do some glamping. But this is also a cardio retreat, which is also very different from a lot of retreats. So a lot of retreats are yoga based. Okay. Um, where you do mostly yoga and meditation. This is all about cardio mm-hmm. so at governor's island you'll have a boxing session you'll have a hit session you'll have a circuit training session you'll have our sculpt class um and then we'll have sessions in between where you can go for a bike ride around the island you can go um canoeing around the island you can do yeah. zip lining on the island it's one day may 4th through 5th so that's gonna be really really great for us i'm really excited Ooh. about it because it's like yeah it's you know for, finally also a retreat where i don't have to leave three days and go and then try to come back it's right at governor's yeah. island it's a fair ride away it's like a 15 minute fair ride yeah where that's can, pretty cool. Where can you get tickets for that? So that's online. So um, at a Harlem Cycle Fitness Retreat at okay. splashdat.com. Okay. Uh, we'll definitely add that into the show notes so our listeners can yeah. go and get those tickets. It's going to be awesome. Oh, oh we're going to tap into the personal. So, uh, uh, <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> she thought we forgot part us. two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm one of those persons that set resolutions. I like to do a vision board every year. Oh, yes, me too. I'm a vision board person. I like resolutions. Mm -hmm. So my resolutions this year, one is to do something other than cycling. Okay. I spend a lot of time on a bike, but... And to the point now that my body's so used to it, I burn like one calorie. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Like, yeah. Time to do something else. <laughs> uh, but I really need to focus a bit more on strength and flexibility, mm-hmm. you know, particularly because I'm on a bike so much is to really kind of, you know, shake things up. Um, so, you know, taking other classes outside of my studio, which is going to be really hard for me because I really, really love my instructors. Their classes yeah. are really great. So I, when I'm not teaching, I end up taking their classes because mm. I'm like, oh, this is my, fit. This, yeah. this is my, this is my song coming on the beginning here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's one is kind of shaking things up. Then two is, um, being just a little bit more conscious as I'm eating. Okay. I found and noticed that as I'm eating, I'll be on my phone, like scrolling through Instagram, reading emails. And next thing you know, I look down and I ate the whole plate and just didn't even realize what, you know, I didn't have a moment to really like enjoy what I was eating. And I think it also helps with overeating if you kind of focus on how much you're actually putting in your mouth. I just look up and it's gone. Yeah. So, you know, really focusing in my attention, at least taking a moment during meal times to really yeah. connect with either with myself or my son, who's who's probably watching cartoons. But yeah. we, we're going to both turn those off. Uh-huh. Um, and then the third one is I have to now realize that I'm not Santa Claus. OK. Because I have cookies every night before bed. <laughs> OK. That's your sweet tooth. That's my sweet tooth. Yeah, okay. Okay. I have five ginger snap cookies every single night. And we're counting. Yeah, I, well, okay. that, that's me. <laughs> and I'm just saying. I'm just going to put it out there. That's me. Like... <laughs> trying to put myself on a, a regimen uh-huh. like you're only gonna have five but it's become five every night for the past year so it's time to let that that let that go okay. it's time to let that, those cookies go okay but they're small so i felt like i was okay but i've realized it's been a year you're still eating yeah. snap cookies you every night switch it up. i'm gonna let them go okay I'm gonna let them go right. let go let go <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of what other business ventures are you working on outside of harlem cycles that's it no so um for the past 12 years i ran a non-profit um okay. so TRG International, we are actually based in South Africa. Oh, wow. Um, so I went to South Africa in 2006, and I absolutely loved it. I mm-hmm. met these kids that I just was like, I can't I can't walk away from these kids. Yeah. I, I got to make sure. I got to do something. Yeah. There's two parts to our mission. One of them 
is education, entrepreneurship, training, and leadership. So we have a scholarship program where we come down for a week and we teach and educate. Um, We only work with orphans. Okay. So we've had about 2,000 kids come through our program. Um, At the end of the program, they get their uniform for high school. Mm -hmm. Um, They leave with training. We help a couple of them through college and through the university. We've actually brought three of them here to the U.S. Um, We've built Mm -hmm. a school while in Soweto. So we've done a lot there. Um, And then, so that's week one. Week two, so we bring volunteers from the U.S. to come down and you lead with me during that week for the, um, the that we have our leadership conference. Yeah. And throughout the year, we've employed our alumni and teachers at each and every school that we work at five different schools. So at each and every school, so we have monthly sessions that go on. Okay. We keep the program continuous throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And then it just accumulates into this one big conference at the in the summertime um, for them. Then the second week is, so part of my mission is also to bring people to Africa. Yes. Like, Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful, beautiful continent. Yes. So the second week, and we end. on continent, not country, because <laughs> people may be confused. Oh, you will be surprised when, people, when I say, I'm going to South Africa. They were like, well, what country? South Africa. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's one of those Usas. Yes. Um, so part of that is bringing people back to the continent mm. and, and, and really investing there. So each time, you know, we spend a lot of time touring South Africa after that. In the second week, it becomes vacation for those who've traveled with us. And then we've been we started adding a different country each year. So last year was Nigeria. Year before that was Mozambique. Year before that was Zimbabwe. Just making sure we touch on every different place as we go. Okay. Um, so people can really explore Africa. Because we've explored all of South Africa. Yeah. And you'll see, even when you come back with this year, you'll still see an amazing part of South Africa. And then we, I think we go to Ghana this year. Um, so you can really kind of get a glimpse of different African countries. Okay. So being that you're going to be working on those things and also Harlem Cycle, do you have a team or you just do this by yourself? <laughs> no, like, I have a team. Yes. Let us know the setup. No, 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 no. Of course I have a team. I have amazing women that work behind me. So we just happen to end up being four women. Okay. Um, but there we, ain't nothing wrong nothing with wrong. that. We, we have a lot of male volunteers. Volunteer, we have a lot of male volunteers that come with us to South Africa, but they're not actually just part of our leadership team. Okay. Um, so it's, you know, my godmother who's in, in Atlanta, um, my Spellman sister Flo who's out in California, cool. and then um, Sheree. She was one of our volunteers who came with us when she was in college, and now she lives in Ohio. Now she bought Sheree from oh, No. Okay. No. <laughs> no, well. Just wanted to make sure we got the Sheree's right. <laughs> All right, cool. That's good that you have a solid team because it seems like you're going to be doing a lot and expanding. So we always ask our um, entrepreneurs on the show, like, what are you doing? Because there's some, we do this by ourselves. There's, yeah. There's not a team, even though Pierre <laughs> wants that someday. Um, so to see people do it and you have that and especially you kind of keeping it full circle yeah. but I like with the nonprofit that they're offering scholarships only to the orphans but also what I like is that you receive a scholarship when you are in college so you're giving back you have to give back you have circle. to yes you have yeah. to absolutely absolutely yes it's amazing if someone was interested in being a volunteer how would you go about doing that so you can contact us we're at www.trg-international.org mm-hmm. um, so you can just always go to our website lots of information about the trip is there so just always check it out online and it's a, a two-week trip you said yep two weeks so we also give you the option if you can only stay one week then when you come one week then it's the volunteer you volunteer we do a little touring while we're in south africa because you got to see south africa yeah. too so you still get a, a good glimpse of south africa um, so you can come for just that one week, or you do two, where you do two countries. Okay, That's cool. awesome. All right. It's really fun. So you know on our show, we do discuss social injustice issues. In our previous episode, we basically deconstructed the nuances in Meek Mill's new album called Championships. And some of the nuances that he really highlighted that was pertinent to us was like the effects of the prison industrial complex and how that has caused like fatherless homes and also drug use and etc of that sort so what is your take on people of color particularly black people being locked up in the aftermath of being in prison so a little loaded question terrible Uh, miss renaissance (laughs) (laughs) you know to me the prison system is just modern day slavery it is just it, it is another way to keep us in shackles yes i mean there is no way that you should have someone particularly on Rikers Island because Rikers is here in New York, where you have someone in Rikers Island for two or three years just waiting a bail hearing. Yeah. That's crazy. For, yes. for stealing n- Basically. something for like $20. Yeah. You know, um, so to me it's like you've already decided to put this person in chains mm-hmm. and you decide to hold them there. And for me the prison system is only here to keep and punish someone who's poor. Yeah. It is a way to keeping poor people poor and keeping them at a place where they will never be able to uplift themselves. Mm -hmm. Let's face it, you know, if you could afford a lawyer, you could afford bail. 
and yeah. and we we can't afford it. Yeah, and it's something that is generationally affecting because now the fathers are going away, mothers are going yeah. away, um, wives at home are being affected. But like your mental health is being yeah. affected, the kids are being affected. So it's like generationally we are affecting a whole group of people who just basically were poor. Yeah, and and now we've just created this this slavery system. Mm-hmm. So we also discussed how PTSD is common in our community due to the lack of support, access, and funds. Can you speak to the importance of seeking help? Oh, absolutely. Help is, and to me, help doesn't have to be professional, but you need it, and we all need it. I know it is very hard in our community to to lean on someone and say, I need help. It's very hard to just say those words. Yeah. You know, we've been trained that we have to be strong. We've been trained that we have to hold hold it together. But it's very hard for us to just lean on someone else. And sometimes that help doesn't have to be professional because many times we can't even afford it. Yeah. You know, sometimes that help is really just going to a family member or a friend and saying, I need to talk to someone. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that help is really looking at a meditation video and taking a couple of minutes to, to just, like, find some way yeah. of relief. Mm-hmm. Because I own a fitness studio, and I know there's a lot of people who can't afford my services terrible thing but there's a lot of people who can't find that stress relief who can't afford to invest within their health and wellness yeah but there's other ways so it is either looking on youtube it's finding a friend to talk to or just a confidant someone that you trust Mm -hmm. and really taking that time to really say i need the help yeah wow Yeah. yeah that's that's a really big one we had an episode you're not alone, and that's one of the things we talked about, just being able to reach out to someone. A lot of times we deal with these things in silence, and I think that's where it really starts to eat, to yeah. eat at you, and being able to just get it out, get it off your chest is such a huge thing. So That Superman, Superwoman complex, is it's killing us. It's literally killing us. we got to take the capes off. No, it's true, and then it's problematic in terms of not having access to those resources and then also to speaking to the fact of us affording it. Yeah, I think that's really important. Like, we stress the importance of Pia's a life coach, but, like, utilizing life coaches, and I know they can be expensive. I have my own, so... Like you gonna have to work out a little payment <laughs> agreement here, cause uh, uh, all right. And but I find other methods too, and also seeking a therapist. I think that's important. And going back to your point, when you said you you went to instructors that you felt could resonate with you, it's important that you go to a therapist or somebody who really could resonate and understand yeah. where you're coming from, because then you're wasting time and money right. if you're going to someone who can't really help right. you and understand your background and stuff like that. So you you really need someone who you can connect with. Yeah. It's all about that connection. Even in fitness, it's like that's why I need I needed people that you know somehow either had the same fitness journey I had, had the same look, the fit, like someone that I could find something that we could connect on. Yeah. Whether it's just we like the same music, sometimes it's just that simple. Um, and just to take down that first layer of that wall that mm-hmm. we put up to find that in, it's so hard for us to really take a second to really think about ourselves. Yeah. It, it's really hard. And it seems simple, like, wait a minute, just pause for a minute and think about what you want. No, with all that we go through and all that's going on in Mm -hmm. the world, it takes a while for us to realize that we're not okay. Yeah. And also to another topic is about felons and how they're perceived in society. So I'm not sure if you're aware, but the Harlem Senator Brian Benjamin wants to introduce a bill to allow convicted felons the right to serve on juries once they've served their time in prison. Do you agree with this bill? And if not, why not? And if so, what other rights do you think um, people should be afforded that are felons? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I feel once you've done your time, like, when does it end? So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I, you you paid your debt. Yeah. How long do you have to keep paying the same debt? Yeah. Once you've paid off your debt, I think you should be afforded the same rights you had before you, you committed whatever created that debt. Yeah. But I agree. They should be, be able to serve. I think there's going to be some education that's needed for a felon. Yeah. Maybe they need to take a, a, a education class as far as, you know, what's perceived as law or, you know, just whatever is needed. Yeah. There, I do think there's some education that's going to be needed to make sure that it is equitable. Yeah. Um, because I can imagine if I'm coming from a place, I'd be like, nobody should go there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. regardless of the crime. Yeah. Um. Rikers. So just make <laughs> right. <laughs> they're about to shut down allegedly. allegedly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so just making sure there's that the education piece is there, but that I feel once you've paid your debt, the world has to be able to turn the page. Like yeah. let let the person yeah. come back into well society. Yeah. I honestly believe we half of our votes are in prison. And that's why half of our, you know, these elections are going kind of the way they're going is because we've we've locked up half of the voice. Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. So I do believe we need to get the vote right to vote back for yeah. all felons, every every state. Um. So, yeah. All right, cool. So I kind of want to end it on this question. Yeah. I feel like 
it's very apparent that your community giving back, making a difference is something that's really important to you. What's the legacy that you want to leave behind with Harlem Cycle mm-hmm. and everything that you're doing when it's all said and done? And also with your son, of course. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's such a hard one. That's like the hardest question. <laughs> really? Uh... <laughs> I like you. She's come back to the show, honey. Yes. So to me, I don't know my legacy. You know, and you notice that my son is here because he's he has to be everywhere. Yeah, he has, he has to learn yeah. how businesses operate. Yeah. He needs to learn how, how, what takes hard work, how to how to push this through. Is true. Um, so one of the for for him, my legacy is you know hard work, determination, and you can be whatever you want to be. Okay. Um, you know, I've always said to him, "Oh, you want to be an engineer? Great, mommy was one, so you can be that too. Oh, you want you want to be a train conductor? Sure, whatever you want to yeah. be. Mo- mommy switched careers three times. You can mm-hmm. do whatever you want to do, son, and and no one can stop you. Yeah, unless you decide you don't want to do it. Yeah. So that's one huge thing I want for him. Um, as far as Harlem Cycle, one of the legacies I really, really, you know, the fitness and wellness industry, it it's a very um, complex industry i'm learning that apparently I yeah it was coming in as a, yeah, a it's very complex simple. because yeah. it's a place where it's supposed to provide an outlet okay um but many times you just don't get that you know many yeah. times it's like oh i come in i worked out but that's all i did i my legacy is that we're more than just some calories being burned yeah we are so much more we are leaving behind um, a generational impact. Mm. We are leaving behind where health and wellness becomes top of mind for a mom, for a husband, for yeah. a father, where it passes down from generation to generation. Yeah. So that in this community, diabetes, cardiovascular diseases, yes. heart diseases, all of those can start diminishing and going back down. Yeah. So I want to leave a legacy where people feel that when they come in, this is a place where they're being served. Yeah. All right. I like that. I love it. Well, we want to really thank you so much for taking your time and coming on the show, dropping all these amazing (laughs) gems. And honestly, there's so much more to you that we didn't even know. Like just from your sharing, it's you're an amazing person. Really, honestly, an inspiration for us. Thank you. I personally, I do want to I'm going to talk after the show. (laughs) I I really want to come on that retreat to Africa. Like that's something I've been wanting to do, wanting to go back to Africa. That's traveling, something I really enjoy. So, thank you. Like you're just you're killing yeah. it. You make it uh, look really so easy. It. Thank you. Um, yeah. Let our let our viewers know where they can connect with you and where they can find you. So of course you can always find me at Harlem Cycle. We're at www.harlem-cycle.com, on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Harlem Cycle. If you want to give us a call, we're at 646-404-2891. But it's www.harlem-cycle.com. And do you mind just letting us know about the volunteer program as well and the retreat? Just yes. I just want to make sure everyone yes. Yes. Absolutely. So our Harlem Cycle Retreat is at, you can look it up, Harlem Cycle Fitness Retreat dot splash that dot com mm-hmm. or just check us send us an email at harlem psych and we'll always slide into our dms we love okay. it slide on in there <laughs> any any social media page but it's harlem cycle fitness retreat at splash dot com for um trg international you can check us out at www.trg international.org sweet awesome yes. awesome so once again thank you for tuning in guys make sure if you haven't done so already make sure you purchase our ringtone for Android users, you can do that at the Tune Store. And for Apple users, you can do that at the iTunes Store. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at unapologeticd underscore. And you can actually make a donation to our Patreon account by searching unapologetically different. And finally, all our shows are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and now Stitcher by searching unapologetically different. Stay tuned for our next episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs>